Academic Roundtable of Pop Culture Analysis with Drinking and Swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Wayne Wise. How's it going, Wayne? Hey, Mav. How are you? I'm doing all right. I mean, yeah. it's, it's all right as it can be. Yeah. You, you know, I'm teaching at, like, two different places, and I've gotten, like, it's it's weird because I, I get these messages from, like, student services of, please excuse so-and-so um, for the next 14 days for an uh, undisclosed health reason. Because they can't say what it is, and I'm like, really? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I understand why, um, and I don't know that I don't know if I don't know if my students have it or if if they like just got contact trace quarantined or whatever. But it's just like it's weird to just have mail like that in this world I live in now, where it's like, yeah, oh, so and so will not be in your class for the next two weeks because uh, for for reasons. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, like, well, and, I mean, we're we're both you know, just dealing with with new job circumstances since we started this whole piece of nonsense, and yeah, and and like both of us just recently jumping into kind of new things, and you know, I'm I'm selling comics in the afternoon, which is kind of what I've always done. In the morning, I'm typing up subpoenas, so you know, <laughs> uh, you know, the completely unexpected life direction, but here we are. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. And I'm just like, every day, I'm just like, oh, God, please, please don't kill me. I don't want to die. <laughs> that's like about it, you know. Um, just, I guess we're we're more or less caught up on our, our recordings in the past. So for, you know, just a little peeks behind the curtain, most of our shows over the last month were recorded relatively far before they actually aired. So we had never live addressed things like the death of RBG. We had like a little bummer mm-hmm. where, where we mentioned that. So that was depressing. And then this week as we record and therefore, you know, last week, as you listen to this, we're doing We're dealing with um, Donald Trump <laughs> got COVID <laughs> and he's out of the hospital now. Yeah. Uh, well, just as as a, a point of reference for people listening to this in the future, you know, in, in terms of celebrity deaths, Eddie Van Halen died today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, which, which isn't a, a, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm into the music end of pop culture and, you know, they were never my favorite band or anything, but just, you know, he, he was a force to be reckoned with within, within that context. So, it is, you know, it is odd to have a rock star not be immortal. I mean, yeah, like, rock yeah. stars sort of die all the time, but each time, each time it's like, you know, it's like, Bowie died. Yeah. But how does Bowie die? You know, yeah, how does yeah. Eddie Van Halen die? Yeah. You know, Keith and, and, is eternal. And some of these people who have who've been here forever in particular, you know, mm-hmm. or, or feels that way. Like, you know, I remember when Van Halen was a new band, but I'm, I'm old. Oh. Um, yeah. Old. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, just, just as an acknowledgement that happened today. So if you're listening to this in the future, which you will be, cause you're not listening to it right now. Uh, <laughs> Well, you are, but not my right now. 
Podcast time travel. Podcast time travel. Stop. Stop. My head hurts. Uh, uh, no, we're already so confused about what time is. Oh, there's our guest. We should introduce the guest before we go off because this is not the topic at all today. No, not at all. Not at all. So, so instead, I'm, I'm going to introduce the guest before the topic because, well, actually, because it's actually relevant. So I'll do it in, uh, out of order of the regular way. So I'd like to welcome back to the show, Carolyn Salvi. Hey, Carolyn. Hi. I'm so <laughs> thrilled to be back here. Well, th- thank you. Welcome back. It's a privilege and an honor, gentlemen. How are you doing? You're you're alive and not de- not dead of COVID. I am alive. Apparently. I'm not dead of COVID. I Wonderful. am. Um, I had to give up a bunch of my teaching because mm. I have a six year old and no child care yeah. public school. So, yeah. um, so my my teaching load is fairly light, but my cognitive load is fairly heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I have a lot, a lot of things to say about remote learning for elementary school children in the time mm-hmm. of a global pandemic. Uh, excuse the squeaking in the background. That's my puppy chewing on her Hershey Wilhelmina. Um, I did not name it. It came with that name. I wasn't that clever. Um, so, yeah, like uh, my students are great. I'm feel really lucky that I have like enough bandwidth to be able to pay attention to my students in a way that feels like honest and responsive to their needs in a global crisis. Mm-hmm. And also I do a lot of work as like a study skills tutor and like an executive functioning tutor for people with those kinds of problems. And I get to like bring that to my students as they're struggling with those things in new ways because global pandemic. Um, that part's good. I get to read some cool books with my kid. Um, I'm deeply in love with my dog. Um, we got a puppy at the be- we got a pandemic puppy, and like that was such a good life choice. Um, but you know, there's that whole like you know, you know, I'm okay. Gestures broadly. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of that, you know. Yep. Awesome. So the reason you're back is because this topic came about in a very weird way. So last time you were on the show for the listener, Carolyn was our guest on uh, on the episode that we did called 20 something teen, uh, where we talked about the phenomenon of making movies about, um, you know, sexy teenagers that are almost always played by people who are really in their 20s or 40s. Um, <laughs> and, and it's like a thing that happens from all the way back from we talked about Welcome Back, Cotter. And then we talked about okay, um, they, they weren't that sexy. No, they weren't. But, but, but I get the point you're making. 90210. <laughs> and then we talked a little bit about things like Stranger Things, where they used actual kids. And then we talked about that 70s show where most of them were 20 somethings. And then Mila Kunis was clearly 14. <laughs> a, I, 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 went, I went back and watched that first season since we did that episode. Yeah. And you know, like when I saw it in the 90s and you know, I was old then, too, I, I somehow I didn't process that because they mm-hmm. all felt young to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it now. I was like, oh, dear Lord. Yeah, she's 14, isn't she? Wow. And it's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's and really noticeable in a way. And I never watched the show regularly, so I just don't think I was processing it at the mm-hmm. time. But this time through, it was like, oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> but but during the course of that episode, Carolyn, you made a comment about um, the work of James Kincaid and who has a book called um, Erotic Innocence, I believe it's called is the title. That's, yes, that's yeah. that's one of yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's and and just sort of the, you know, what makes us sexualize the idea of youth is one of the primary topics throughout that that text. And at the same time, I had a comment from a listener 
um, Ethan, who said, uh, who sent me a message asking, you know, do you guys should do a show on that Netflix movie Cuties that people are complaining about? And I hadn't watched it at that point. I had heard about it. I'd heard the controversy. And we don't usually do episodes devoted to one show. And like I'd seen sort of what people were saying about, oh, this is evil. And, you know, you're you're sexualizing children. And then other people saying, no, no, the point of it is that it, it, it's about the problems of sexualizing children. And I was like, well, maybe we can work it into a discussion based on like a larger topic. And then I remembered like that I wanted to do something more with like sort of a spinoff to what we had talked about for that two minutes during Carolyn's last episode. And then I watched the movie and I'm like, okay, yeah, man, we're doing this. <laughs> so, so this isn't, we're not going to just talk about cuties today. Um, but I have a lot to say about it. So do I. <laughs> uh, and Wayne, you also watched it. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I, I have many thoughts. Um, but there's, so there's the movie cuties. There's the idea of sexualizing youth at all why we have a problem with it but also why we do it because i don't think it's quite as easy as saying oh kitty porn bad cancel netflix which is which is you know the way that people want to like frame it and i also don't think it's as easy as no 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 art is art must be free and like yeah i don't think i I think it's a really complicated issue that i want to like dive into we have a lot to talk about we're going to go all over the place um, this is either going to be a really, really, really fun episode or people are just going to want to cancel us. So. <laughs> just just oh, like oh. they feel about the movie. So. Yes. Can, can we get people to, like trying to boycott us and making a big deal out of it? Can we get that kind of coverage? Because that'd be awesome. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Can we get makes fame more popular, and fortune out of this? I would. I'll, I'll happily take fame and for it. Notoriety is just as good. You know, in, infamy is, is just as good as Emmy. <laughs> fame, I guess. Do you so. do you also uh, teacher rant for a moment? Oh, sure. Do you also have many many students who think that infamous means super famous as opposed to like famous for being evil. <laughs> wow, he's he's more than famous. He is infamous. infamous. Yes, I get that one all the time, and I'm like, no, you don't understand how to use that word. Ah, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh... And then I could I, mean, I could explain it in three amigos terms, but then none of them would have seen three amigos. And I'll just be no. like, oh, no, I'm just leave me alone. I've seen that movie, but it was too long ago. I just don't remember it. It's like and here, here's again the bit where I'm a little bit younger than you. And so, yeah. Therefore, yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on. We're not talking about right. Steve Martin. We're not talking about Rick Moranis. We're talking about sexy tweens. Yes. Martin Short. I just Martin. said that. I'm like, was Rick Moranis in we? Oh, Rick, Rick, Rick Moranis. Oh, we're also the week that Rick, Rick Moranis got beat up by some random yeah. mugger because yeah. people Jesus, have no the soul. I, there's a horrible. I mean, like, why would you punch Rick? The man is a treasure. What are you doing? So, <laughs> anyway, anyway, weird. Um, he was possessed by Gozer. <laughs> so 2020 continues to be full of really weird news. Yes. Yeah. Um, is is basically. Wow, well, we're we're several into the show. Dying. We're just the wrong just like, people dying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, no okay. downer. No, no, de- no, de- no talk about the dead people. People suck. Okay. We're going to talk about the, 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 the fun aspects of, uh, of this, except I don't know. It's so fun, but um, <laughs> the, yeah. okay. we're going to have a fun conversation about a weird thing. So the start, I don't even want to start with cuties. I want to, 
I want to give some context. And I, when I wrote the blog uh, for this, which you should check out at www.voxpopcast.com, um, I specifically pointed to something we talked about in the 20-something um, teen episode, which I think is the, the preeminent example of this phenomenon. It is the movie Pretty Baby with Brooke Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who haven't seen uh, what's actually a really good film, as I remember it, I haven't watched it in quite some time. I, yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. Um, but the the movie is about Brooke Shields plays an 11 year old prostitute and or she might be 12. She's 11 or 12. Yeah. And it is. And, and she's 11 or 12 when she's playing the part. Yes. And it is a creepy movie, but it is creepy in a way that is supposed to be creepy. Mm-hmm. And you're you're supposed to you're not supposed to you're not supposed to look at her and say, oh, my God, she's so hot. You're supposed to look at her and say she's 11 years old. This is wrong. That's the point in the movie. The problem that happened when that movie came out is that was when people first noticed Brooke Sheld and started saying, oh, my God, she's so hot. And she was 11. And, and and that was an issue. And, and that was I'm not sure exactly the year, but you know, Jodie Foster playing seventy eight. Oh. Jodie Foster playing a, a teen prostitute in Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. You know, same kind of thing. And and I I recently watched um, the little girl at the end of the lane with Jodie Foster mm-hmm. uh, when she's twelve or thirteen, and and she's nude in it. Yeah, which you know I saw this on Netflix and was quite honestly quite surprised at this. Mm-hmm. I, I'd, ne- I'd never seen the movie. And it's not like be a blatant X-rated film, but like, oh, there's some side boob. That's her butt. That's her bare butt. Okay. And just, just to like put this in here, like there's all of this controversy about cuties and cuties is, is very, very careful to actually never show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is a very sexually charged story, mm-hmm. but it's but the it's, story. It They're careful. Yeah. The, the visual construction of the film is very, very careful to not expose the bodies of these very young actresses. Yes. Um, but the reason I wanted to bring those films up is I just wanted to point out that this is and this is we're only going back to Tax Driver 76, Pretty Baby is 78. This is not a new problem. It's a right. it's a problem that that's been around. I think that we are in a, a cultural moment now where for good reasons, I'm not even going to say not even say bad reasons or, or weird reasons. For very good reasons, we are hypersensitive about the sexualization of children. We should be. It is good yes. that we worry about this thing, these sorts of things. And I don't think all of it is honest. I think that uh, I think a lot of it is um, the, the hyper awareness of it is driven by things like QAnon, but also things like Jeffrey Epstein. Right. Like, so we've got we've got real problems. We've got imagined problems. And everybody I'm going to go out on a limb and say everybody who listens to our show regularly is firmly in camp. Kitty porn bad. (laughs) I would be surprised if we didn't have any kitty, if we had any kitty porn, good people listening to our show. If, if we do get help, you know, because that's not the, that's not the show we are, but I think it extends to a point. And this is where people who have defended the movie cuties have been. It extends to a point where people are like, oh, we shouldn't talk about this at all because even and even doing it, you are sexualizing children to make that comparison. And I don't think that's the solution, because I think that you can't I think that you need to be able to have a conversation. That seems to me very analogous to the argument that we shouldn't provide comprehensive sexual education in schools. Yes. Because if we provide sexual, comp- like comprehensive sexual education in schools, then kids will have more sex. 
but mm-hmm. all of the data that studies what happens depending on the different kinds of sex ed that kids get in middle school and high school shows mm-hmm. that the more comprehensive sex education somebody gets at a young age, the less risky sex they are going to engage in. The longer mm-hmm. they delay engaging in intercourse, the more they engage in um, like risk mitigation Mm-hmm. sex right like maybe they are doing heavy petting they're engaging in mm-hmm. mutual masturbation they're engaging in things like that but they're doing mm-hmm. it safely um and child, child pregnancy goes way down teen pregnancy goes way down goes way down mm-hmm. uh teen sti rates go way down and the fewer sexual partners they have over the course of their lifetime mm-hmm. like the data on this is consistent Mm-hmm. reputable, repeated. Mm-hmm. It, it's just so clear. When you have abstinence-only sex education, you get more teen pregnancy, mm-hmm. more STIs, more, um, please see the like, heavy air quotes around this, like slutty or promiscuous, promiscuous behavior. When you give people information about sexual health, they engage in what we would generally, most people would generally agree is like more responsible sexual behavior. So mm-hmm. not talking about our sexualization of younger and younger children is not going to solve the problem. Like that just seems no. like that parallel seems super clear to me. Right, right. Um, now the counter argument, which I'm offering because that's this show, not because I believe it. But the counter argument is um, is that, well, yes, but this is different. Like the people. So we have a lot of what I would say are liberal and progressive people, people who I would normally agree with, including my girlfriend, Danica McKellar, who who are. uh, um, are, Yes. Oh, oh, you should go back and listen to that episode. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Danica Danica McKellar is my is my teenage crush since I was um, since I was a since I was a kid and I, we did yeah. one whole episode where I talked about that in depth, um, which she retweeted because she loves me back. That's what, that's how, I, that's, that's what, that's what, the, that's what, that's what that means. And I refuse to believe any differently, but anyway, okay. Dan, Danica is very much on this, on the, um, in camp cancel Netflix because of this. She's very, she is very upset. And, and, and I understand it. She's, she's looking at it purely as I am a mother of young children and I don't want this. Um, and the, the difference that she would argue, and I disagree with her because even though we love each other, um, we, we can have disagreements. I, she has no idea who I am, <laughs> but, but, I, but I, dis- I disagree with her because her argument uh, and arguments of people like them is this is different because there's a difference between having a conversation with kids about sexualization and putting Brooke Shields or, um, or Jodie Foster or the, the young woman from, from cuties is, I can't pronounce it. Um, Fathia Yusuf is um, the, 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 uh, the actress who stars in cuties. You are putting them in situations to actually act out the sexual fantasy um, because they're still actors and they still have to perform that role. And I see that point. I still don't think it's a, I, I mean, I, I would hope that you choose responsible actresses and I don't know that you always do, but I would hope that you have, you know, responsible adults on, on set um, into the secret. Take care of the actress. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, or, and it's usually actress. We should talk about that too. Um, we don't really have people complaining about this issue for young boys where it is still an issue. It's almost always young girls where we make the comparison, but I don't think that you get out of the issue. Carolyn's talking about by just saying, Oh, well we can't do it because, because we'd have to actually sexualize a child in order to do it. Um, that's 
also an argument that ignores the ways in which a film like Cuties is expressly talking about how these young girls sexualize themselves because they are being taught through many different mm-hmm. avenues that that mm-hmm. is their road to success. Yes. Well, and, and, and yeah, because the, the movie, the movie is dealing very much with all these conflicting messages of yeah. femininity. Uh-huh. I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know, we see them watching the videos of the, the sexy booty dancers, mm-hmm. you know, and then like there's, there's one image of, of adult female sexuality and the, the main character on me, uh, the actress you just mentioned is coming from a, a, you know, they, they were what they were Pakistani. They were Muslim. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there is her father is marrying a second wife and, mm-hmm. and it's this very traditional there. You know, we have a scene where the grandmother is, you know, at your age, I was, I was married and, and I could wish nothing better for you. So, so it's, there's it's, it's it, the aunt. Yeah. And, okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm so, gonna, I'm gonna be a, annoying. No, no, that, that, that's she's, fine. I, I, I watched she, over the course of like two or three days and kept getting interrupted. So there were threads right. that I lost. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it's, auntie. It's, it's it's the aunt Tante. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and she says, at your age, I was engaged. I was no mm-hmm. taller yeah. than you. I think she actually and says she got married like, at fourteen. Two years yeah. Later. Yeah, yeah, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. She got married and she says, that is what I wish for you. Yes. Yeah, so, so there is a grandiose. It was a the, the, the English translation and my French isn't good enough to say mm-hmm. whether it's an accurate translation. But the, the English translation, um, I watched this today, which is like right okay, before yeah. taping, which is mm-hmm. why this is fresh in my head. It was a grandiose wedding. Mm-hmm. And I hope that for you that like the pinnacle of your achievement in life can be to, to have a grandiose wedding mm-hmm. when you're 14 <laughs> when you're 14 so, so 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 that's a very cultural you know you are sexualizing mm-hmm. this 12 year old girl in this traditional religious fashion yeah and ami is being pushed into other parts of maturity mm-hmm. feminine uh assigned female at birth maturity in terms of her caretaking of her little brothers mm-hmm. in terms of the kinds of chores and yes. domestic work mm-hmm. that she's expected to take on in the household right that, that, uh, yeah that's what i want to address because i want to make sure people understand so one of the and wayne you even said she has a she has a very she has a very fundamentalist upbringing um is a uh, islam upbringing uh very specific to the cultural location that she's from I want to make sure clear to our listeners that well, it surprised me because this was not mentioned in any of the critique of the film that I saw ahead of time. People were very concerned about the sexualization of them dancing and everything. But um, the film paints her as being gendered and sexualized by her religion and her heritage, which is Senegal Muslim because Ducour, the woman who directed and wrote it, that's her background. But yes, I, but it, I, I, the movie does not take a the movie is not taking a stab at islam saying okay islam does this because frankly if the message had been uh about a christian family the argument would have been the same because she is being gendered not just by the booty shorts that she's wearing right she's she's being gendered by the expectation that this is girls work girls um girls clean Uh, oh we have to start cooking for your father's wedding it's going to take a it's going to take a week and we have to do this because you are the daughter and this is your job. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. there are several moments in the film that explicitly 
do not cast the blame for the conflict that Ami is feeling on Islam or on like like that tension that like like there are going to be more women in hell than men like that's this line early in the film mm-hmm. that's there but there's also like this moment when they they like the aunt and the mother think that she's been like possessed yes. and and they call in an imam mm-hmm. to try and bless her and they've tried to do like something that looks like an exorcism I don't know enough about Senegalese culture to know if that's what's going on for sure but they call in the imam and he says um, there is no there is no devil or evil spirit in this girl Mm -hmm. after he prays at her and he refuses to take money for coming in to pray for her right and it's like he is not he is not blaming her and there's also this moment so an important note for for listeners who haven't seen the film so a conflict of the film is that um ami's father is taking a second wife he is bringing a Mm -hmm. second wife from senegal back to this um suburb of paris yeah they're in france and Ami's mother, Mariam, is struggling with this, is deeply depressed by this. Deeply. And and like but, but accepting of it because she has been of it. cultured in such a way as this is just this is the way that life is. In fact, she like or she's ordering a, a second bed for their room. Yeah, this is women's role. You know, she, this she is has women's been, role. Yeah. Yes. But also at this climax of the film, when Ami is coming to her mother covered in glitter, in booty shorts, in a crop top, you know, wearing this like Western makeup. And Mm -hmm. the aunt is like, no respectable person's daughter would wear this. Mm -hmm. And her mother stands up for her. And it's the day of her father's second wedding. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and her mother and, and, and her mother says it's okay if you don't come to the wedding. Yeah, which which was the which is the best moment of the film, right? So oh my that, god, it was so yeah. so good because it was her mother saying like I am accepting this for myself, but you don't have to accept it for yourself. Right. And mm-hmm. it and it is. I mean, it's weird. Like so so here's the and actually I'm going to ask this because we haven't said this is we're, we're not really a thumbs up thumbs down show. If we were Siskel and Ebert, I'm a thumb I'm a thumbs up on this one. I liked this film a lot. Yeah, I um, thought it was so smart. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. two yeah. thumbs up. So sensitive, so careful. Right. Now here's where it's weird, though. Like, I, I love the movie. I think I I thought it was great. I thought you know this is um if if we lived in a world with theaters and Oscars and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you remember, so in the before times, we used to give awards for films. I know it's hard to remember, but there used to be films that went out that 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 appeared in. We had these buildings where they showed movies on on what was called a screen that was in front of you not in your house yes yeah people would gather and they would watch these things it's hard to even imagine in our our current world eating popcorn yeah yeah you could get popcorn it was it was amazing in that world i would consider this in a a, world where people showed movies but i would consider this a serious oscar contender film i uh, certainly for foreign film i loved it i thought it was great i thought it was a thinky artsy you know literary picture that i would give a thumbs up to and yet 90 percent of the people i know i would never go see it yeah this is the kind of movie that people like us watch yeah. And you know, you know there are no explosions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this was an artsy foreign film. Yeah, this is an artsy foreign film. Very much, it is like the sexualized parts that people are complaining about, which we haven't even touched on at all. As you notice, you've seen all of them in the trailer. Anything that you've seen, right? Yes, that, that's the majority of it. There's other stuff, but like, but like 
it is this is a film about pathos and feeling and the deep trauma of an 11 year old girl trapped between not even two cultures like half a dozen like just yeah. trying to figure out she's she's being torn apart and the uh, the young woman who plays like whose name i can't pronounce who plays on me is even with overdubbing to watch it with um with english dubbing um just her her visual acting is phenomenal she is yeah. so good Yes. Um, and, and, and it absolutely the story was great and it is deeply disturbing I get that it's supposed to be it's supposed to be uncomfortable this is supposed that, to be a hard movie. movie to watch and I loved it I loved it so much I mean okay so like the film is successful because the actresses mm -hmm. were so good they mm -hmm. were so good and yeah, yeah, they were so talented and they're and, and the way that they were able to move from this very to so I, I live in, in what we refer to as a bougie commune and there are two girls next door who are 10 and a half and 11 whom I adore. So like mm -hmm. right the ages of these girls in the film. Um, one of them turned 11 this week. I was there mm -hmm. at her birth. Like literally I have watched this girl grow up from mm -hmm. from exiting the womb. <laughs> and um and the way that the girls in this film captured that sort of like vulnerability and goofiness mm -hmm. and this freaky uncomfortable mimicry of performative over the top hyper feminine sexuality mm -hmm. like the way those actresses moved between it was unbelievable mm -hmm. and in and particular it, it, it hadn't been Amy that and angelica yeah. Amy and yes. angelica well, angelica was also great th there was that early scene where they were in the the new the new wife's bedroom and eating gummy bears mm -hmm. and they yes. were just giggling and and you they they were children Mm -hmm. And and that was I, I think that was such an important scene to establish that that's who they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet they also have a now obviously the, the the point of the film is these are girls gone wild. You know that that's like that's like what it's supposed to be. It's like this is the, these are the girls who are who are going who are being most hypersexualized by media. And they are there's a weird innocence because my other favorite scene in the film is um, they find a used condom in the park. Yeah. They think it's a water balloon or one thinks it's a water balloon. And so she's like trying to blow it up. And the other girls freak out because like you've touched a condom. Now you clearly have AIDS. And then they decide to solve this problem by washing her mouth out with, with soap. With soap. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, there is such a lack of understanding in a childlike, there's a childlike innocence mixed with a, I live in the year 2020 and have free access to sexuality on the internet. And this is what has become of me. And they're natural. They're 12 year old girls. They do have hormones. They do have, you know, a developing sexuality that is entirely natural. And all of this is just jumbled up. And as ridiculous as it is to see them go from eating gummy bears to twerking, I bought it. I've yeah. seen 12 year old girls dance. Like, I, like, this is a thing that happens. And like, yeah, I get why it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable when I see, you know, when I see one of my nieces try to emulate dance steps like this, because I've got nieces who are that age. But I know that they do because they are human beings who live on the planet Earth in the year 2020. And I'm not even going to go so far as to say it's bad in the way that people people mean it's bad. 
I think it's bad because of the messaging that we apply to it and because of the unhealthy attitude towards sexuality we have where we're where we're trying to rather than deal with it, we try to quash it, which is what which is sort of my problem with people criticizing this film. The film is uncomfortable because no one wants to talk about the fact that 12 year old girls are sexual beings and live in a world which doesn't want to deal with their sexuality, which is what has become. Doesn't want to deal with their sexuality, but constantly bombards them with messages that they are sexual. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And 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 that their value. Yeah. And that is their value. Yes. Mm -hmm. Being sexual. And one of the other things that I think was so, so well done about the film is the way in which these girls don't they understand that sexy is valuable mm-hmm. but what they understand more is that popularity is valuable yes. and that these two things are intertwined mm-hmm. they're intertwined specifically through social media mm-hmm. for them it's, it's about so, getting the likes so it's about getting yeah. the likes and what you know it, it's unclear what jesse's motivations are it's unclear what kumba or yasmin's motivations are but for angelica and ami mm-hmm. for the main two they, characters for the, for for the, the main two characters right mm-hmm. ami the senegalese muslim girl she's not joining this overtly sexually dance troupe for approval from boys she could care less about boys she no, wants yes, approval mm-hmm. from other girls Right. Yes. She wants She's trying acceptance to fit from other girls. Mm-hmm. Well, and, Angelica, and Angelica has absent parents. Yeah. Yeah. And she's not trying to get her acceptance of her parents. She's trying. She's trying to raise herself and be grown up. It's not. It's. 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 They're weird. Under. It's a weird childlike motivation because it's not like she's like the the simple answer would be like she's got absent parents, so she's trying to get their attention. I don't think Angelica wants their attention. I think Angelica has decided. Okay, I'm raising myself. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to be famous. Yes. In a weird way. Yeah. This is how I am going to to make it in the world because mm-hmm. my parents aren't available to take care of me. And she hates her because brother. My, she has a brother that is right. She has a brother. And by the way, my parents aren't available to take care of me because they're working all the goddamn time. It's not that they don't love me. Yeah. 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 She understands that. And she understands it. And she's a dedicated. She's weird. I think she said that she'd started dancing. She tr- started trying to dance when she was like two or three. She says exactly how old she was. I don't remember. But she says my mother. She says my mother says I danced even on the inside of her. Yeah. yeah. So so they've got they've got weird, believable motivations. And the motive and the problem is that the motivations are uncomfortable, right? Like because they've decided that sexuality is the way to get what they want. And that is an uncomfortable thing, but it's also believable in a weird way. And not only like I don't there's not really any boys present in the I mean, there's the older brother, Ami has a younger brother, but there's no male love interest in there. Like this is never about trying to get attention from any there's attention from boys in general because sex brings you power, but they're not interested in actually acting on sex at all. And in fact, one of the you know, one of the 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 turning incident in the in the film that like sort of ends the second act and starts the third act is Ami goes too far. Um yeah yeah like, like Ami at one point at one point um post they're using I mean they never say but it's Instagram. They're they they have got some social media platform that they're that they're posting all their videos and photos on. And Ami uh takes a bottomless picture and posts it and gets a bunch of likes and the other girls are like nope 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 you're you're out <laughs> and they kick her out of the group. And 
she's gone too far, but, but another one of the turning moments of the film, right. As it's like reaching its crisis point is that after she has post after Ami has posted this, a boy in her class in front of the teacher slaps her on the ass mm-hmm. yeah. and she stabs him in the hand with a pen. Yeah. Brutally. too. <laughs> brutally. She just like, she grabs it off somebody else's death and like stabs him in the hand. Straight through. Um, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's core. Yeah. It, and it, it, no consequences. Like, yeah. um, and she, I mean, he, he has called her a slut in front of the teacher. Mm-hmm. And the teacher is obvious. And like, he's done this in front of the teacher. And the teacher is as appalled by him doing this mm-hmm. as she was by Ami's reaction to it. It's like mm-hmm. sort of the way it read to me. Mm-hmm. And, and that was sort of this, this, this proof to me that Ami wasn't looking for, for male attention. Right. Um, yeah. She was, right. she, she was, she was, um, she was looking for something else. She, yeah. She, well, she's looking, she knows that she knows that the secret to fitting in with the cool, well, with who she perceives as the cool girls, the girl, Angelica's click, uh, Angelica's dance crew. Cause, um, uh, Angelica is already involved in dance when Ami meets her at the beginning of the movie. So the secret to getting their attention is to just sort of help them take their dance crew to the next level. And, and so she's using like, like sexuality is a means to an end, but it's never about sex for her. And it's a very interesting way of explaining her motivation, but also it, it, and again, this is why I think the film's remarkable is it, it very much shows that the people who are against her being sexual at all, meaning her, her aunt, um, Mm -hmm. her mother sort of, um, um, but like the other adults in her life who are sort of, um, who's the, the, the one she steals the phone from. Is that like a cousin or something? Yeah. It's a cousin. It's her father. It's one of her father's cousins. Right. Um, so all these adults who chastise her for performing sexuality in um, in a Western sense, you know, uh, for emulating these girls she's seen on the Internet, they very much do want her to be sexual, but just in a very extremely religious, patriarchal kind of sense that they have decided is appropriate. So it's not so much that you're a sexual being, it's that you're the wrong kind of sexual being as well. And and that and that that makes this film so fascinating. And you know, I do think people should watch it, except for, you know, again, there's no superheroes, there's no explosions. It's 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 a weird it's a weird recommendation for the kinds of things we usually talk about on this show. I mean I I think it's very beautiful mm-hmm. for the the way that it gives these girls agency, mm-hmm. the way that it is compassionate for them while not endorsing their choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just I just I found that so beautiful. And I want to say too, like going back to an earlier point about how the director, for example, never showed any nudes of them. Like the most suggestive thing that happens is this thing is where Ami takes a bottomless photo. Mm-hmm. But we are never shown the photo. You know, yeah. You see people you looking see at any- you see people looking at a phone. You see her you see her pick stick the phone between her, you see her pull down her underwear, which you see nothing. You see her legs and you see her stick the phone in her crotch. And then later you see people looking at phones gaping. Yes. But and that is the most that is the most sort of like I don't even want to say sexualized moment. It's not sexualized. Mm-hmm. It is like clinical really in its execution. Not. Yeah, exactly. And I read an interview with the director where she said, I had a child psychologist on set at mm-hmm. all times to 
help these girls differentiate mm-hmm. between their acting and their life as actual children as 11 year olds. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and to me, that sort of um, contradicts Danica McKellar's sort of contention that, that these actresses mm-hmm. were having to perform this way, this in a way that was like forced. Like if anything, I, I, I think that would have been a way to help these girls do this work in a way that will help their future selves be healthy yeah yeah I, in regards to this and 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 just to i mean to, to get a little personal for a minute like i was a kid who started puberty really early mm-hmm. i started puberty at like eight like mm-hmm. i was angry about it i wasn't ready for it i hit my growth at 12 so by the age of 12, I fit in the same pair of shorts from the age of 12 until the age of 24. <laughs> so you were like, just grown physically. Like I was just, I was just grown. I was just grown. Like I grew one inch. I grew six inches in the year I was 12. I grew one more inch between 12 and 18. And then when I stopped dancing 30 hours a week, I put on, you know, an adult weight. Like I went from weighing 118 pounds at 19 to weighing 135 pounds at 24. But you're, but, but that's weight from calories. Like you're, you're the same height. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I am. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. so, five, I mean, six, so, mm-hmm. so between 18 and 24, I didn't put on any height, like mm-hmm. probably obviously. And I put on the kind of weight that I would have put on earlier if I hadn't been being a professional athlete. Right. Professional right. Right. And, you know, living with all of that world. So, um, so I experienced like I have visceral lived memories of mm-hmm. walking around my hometown in Colorado at the age of 13 and 14 and being catcalled and wolf whistled mm-hmm. all the time because so, the world wanted me to be a sexual being and I did not want to be. But and that's you at least rebelling. So I, like what I think is interesting, like Angelica was interesting in this film because when that climax comes, um, I mean, you talked about the psychiatrist on on set explaining it to the girls, but it's great that they had that because the character of Angelica needs to explain to the character of Ami that no, this is an act. This is, you know, like the, the reason Ami gets kicked out of the dance crew is because no, 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 you took it too far. This is, you know, this is where we are. We're not about that. And it's this subtle difference of her saying she doesn't use the words, but she's trying to she's essentially trying to say, no, no, no. We want to own this. And you you gave it away. You know, you you went too far. Yes. And that's a weird, uncomfortable conversation to be coming from a 12 year old. Yes. But it is not the case. And I think this is the point of the film. It is not the case that 12 year old girls are not sexually aware, even if they're and I don't mean sexually aware, like horny. I mean, sexually aware, like there is a power to sexuality that they might or might not be comfortable with. Like you, you're specifically talking about the ways in which you weren't Angelica's character very much is to a very specific point, right? (laughs) To where where she's like, no, not up, up until there. And then, and then there's too much. And that's, you know, that's what makes the film fascinating to me. I do want to move on to some of the other issues, though, like because we're talking about yeah. like I like I think outside of the film cuties. And I said we're going to talk about this about you. We're going to come back to it <laughs> because sure. um, because 
I started with the other films because I think that there's a weirdness to the way we treat sexualized youth, um, particularly with girls. We are now there's again, there's a patriarchal bit there. There's a fear of a fear of femininity, of giving femininity agency that mm-hmm. gets baked in. Right. Like we're that like we um there is no sex life as crude and as fulfilling as the fictional sex life that happens in the minds of of seventh grade boys um i you know there when you know like there 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 is a pretense of far more sex that happens in seventh and eighth grade than there ever is and nobody really has a problem with it um i i link to the um it's ninth grade but i i link to the film good boys mm-hmm. um which Wayne, one of your and my favorite movies yeah. of last year, yeah. um, which is literally about the sexual awakening of three of, well, two, because one of them doesn't really get there, right? But it's yeah. about the sexual awakening of three young boys the same age, and it's played for laughs instead of seriously. Um, Judy's is, is, is serious, but there was no pushback on that film, right? Yeah. Um, there was no pushback on Good Boys. It's brilliant. And I think that there's sort of a freebie to being boys just because of sexism. But when you start actually thinking about it, if they'd ever actually done a scene in Good Boys, like the like the whole goal of of Good Boys is to kiss somebody once, right? Like that's they're they're looking for a first kiss, and that's fine, I guess. If Good Boys had taken the extra extra step and taken it to, they're looking to have sex. I think there would have been more pushback. Mm. There's a book called men, women, and children, which I mentioned last time Carolyn was on that. Yeah. Um, the film ages up. It's about kids in junior high school having sex and the film ages them up to high school because they didn't want to address the idea of 12 year olds actually having intercourse, which is a, which is a thing that happens in the book. <laughs> well, and, and, in in boys that, that age, and it's, it's what Carolyn was talking about, that idea of, you know, 12 year old boys aren't sexualized in the same way 12 year old girls are. Mm-hmm. Society doesn't look at them in, in that way. So mm-hmm. there's that outside pressure that, that comes in on that. So, you know, when you, when you watch boys, now Hughes was obviously trying to make that point, but when you watch boys, you just, you, that lack of the male gaze, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, it's just, it's not viewed in the same way. Mm-hmm. The, the issues don't arise. I can't think of any pop culture images of sexualized boys. Mm-hmm. I can I can think of pop culture narratives of boys of that age being interested in sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> including, to go back to our previous conversation, about Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, but but I can't like, we just don't do that to 11 and 12 year old boys and I'm thinking about your comments in the blog Mav about mm-hmm. Zac Efron mm-hmm. Zac Efron was 18 and 19 when, when he filmed it yeah. Musical was yeah, he's filmed, like, mm-hmm. which is a totally different world developmentally yeah. psychologically physically from 11 and I, when, he, when he filmed the first one by the time he was done he's like 24 and yeah. mm-hmm. um, so I just I can't think of an image of a sexualized 
So here's what I'm wondering. Oh boy, I can't, I can't imagine. It's hard. Like, I- yeah. Well, and here's what I'm wondering because um, so we had a comment from Michael Strauss where he pointed out Lord of the Flies and Lord of the Flies has all these boys running around in underwear and loincloths, but it doesn't come across as weird as as sexual so much as I mean, there's a there's there's a primalness about it because that's the point of Lord of the Flies. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, right. But I wonder if part of it has to do with the fact that um, exactly what what you were talking about, Carolyn, you were essentially fully grown at age 12, right? Yeah. The 11 year old boy is at least in our picture of 11 year old boys in our head of what we believe is a passable 11 year old boy looks still what we what we term as childlike and unsexual in a way that the um the pubescent girl doesn't because i think i think it exists like um the examples i can think of are um are men women and children which i said which is about 12 year olds having sex that's that is the, that is the plot they changed it for the film but that's the plot of the novel and then the other example i can think of is um is um and this goes back to another episode where we talked about this wayne uh the book it Mm -hmm. which uh, the scene that is essentially ripped out of the film out of both versions of the film is the orgy scene in the sewers where it is exactly that right like it um and everyone was uncomfortable with it um in fact i think people were probably a little bit uncomfortable with the with the scene in the um in the filmed version where the kids go swimming in their underwear yeah um but that's the closest they come to it and i i think that there's a a sort of thing where um we perhaps unfairly in fact certainly unfairly we look at the 12 year old girl that well we i shouldn't even say just the 12 year old we look at the pubescent girl as womanly in a way that we don't look at the pubescent boy as manly mm-hmm. unless unless the pubescent boy develops to such a point where he really looks like a man, in which case we just write it off. Like I'm going to throw something out here that just, just hit me as we're talking, uh, boy bands, Mm -hmm. a a million K-pop bands. Sure. Well, and um, new kids on the block he, and, and, and yeah, sync you know, and like, yeah. like they're, that, like, that's the closest I can, cause I've been sitting here racking my brain to come up with an example. It's like, that's the closest I can come to. Mm-hmm. But they're not but, 11. Right. But yeah. Right. They're 18. They're usually, yeah. they're, they're usually young teenagers. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean so, some of them, you know, but I guess it depends on, on the way they're, they're marketed at the time. But Menudo, I, I think, we never, we never marketed Menudo as sexy. We, we just yeah. didn't. The, the, I mean, only exception I can really think of to that is Bieber, right? Oh, Where Justin Bieber, Bieber was at a very young age being sold to girls of his age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not to adults. That is very true. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of all the Tiger Beat magazines in the 70s with Donny Osmond and, and Michael Jackson mm-hmm. on the cover. But yeah, same thing. It's like win a date with Donny Osmond if you're 12. Uh, not not if you're 30. You know? right. right. And and, you know, there's just there's something. Bieber was 13 when he was discovered and 14 when he first, you know, started recording. OK, so there's just there's I just I can't say this as articulately or beautifully as I want to right now. But there's something really screwy about the fact that like pubescent male sexuality mm-hmm. isn't threatening at all until they pass over into this threshold of just we don't even think of it as like pubescent male sexuality it's just sexuality mm-hmm. yeah. and it's fine right whereas pubescent girl sexuality 
Mm-hmm. is threatening from the word go and forever. Well, we do do a thing where once the post pubescent, once the functional teen male has reached what we consider a, a clearly sexually developed age, but is underage, we do um, not as much. so. We, we, I'm, I'm thinking like your Mary Kay Letourneau cases, right? Like, yeah, like we have all the we, we, we do sort of like notes down. on a scandal. Yeah. 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 We scandalize it. That's exactly it. Of, of oh, well, he's, you know, because I because we didn't always. Right. Like there was um there are there are many an older film where the, the boy. Yeah. Well, well, the graduate, he's at least a college graduate. Yeah, he's like, that's true. He's, yeah. But I'm thinking there are a lot of films where with essentially that uh, essentially that story, you know, the um um the the 16 year old boy has sex with his mom's bored housewife friend right like that is a story that happened a lot in a lot of 80s films mm. just, just one of the guys is a weird teen film that um like, like where american where, pie yeah american pie right? and and again american there's pie. or mm-hmm. or if we're gonna go back to theater mm-hmm. teen sympathy yes so we have that and depending on the era, we either treat this as the boy is a stud or we treat it as the uh, the as the older woman should have known better. But it's still it doesn't have the same message as the creepiness of of just taking the uh, for one thing, the boy is slightly older because we're usually talking about 16 year olds, not mm-hmm. not 11 year olds. But it doesn't have the creepiness factor in the same way or it's not viewed in the same way as the creepiness factor of looking at 11 year old girls. And let me, let me just also emphasize here when we're talking about tea and sympathy notes on a scandal, the graduate, we are talking about actual intercourse right. between mm-hmm. older women and younger men. Right. Whereas what people are freaking out about in cuties is a girl dancing is a girl dancing. Yeah. And, and 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 we think this is a problem with eleven year old. I, I I linked a couple of YouTube videos. Yeah, we'll link them in the show notes. In the show notes. Yeah, France has got talent, which is in the America's Got Talent version in in French. Right. In French, um, there's dancing children, children, not dancing even pubescent. children, right? So like, she's six. She's the what? age of my daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and 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 let me tell you how not not sexy or sexually aware <laughs> my six year old is. Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> Super not. Okay. I mean, the whole thing. And so that's not the, because I'm like a Puritan. That's because she's, she's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, well, yeah. there's things going on about which households have what kind of media consumption there. Whatever. Um, like the appearance of sexiness and how much we're freaking out of the appearance of sexiness for girls mm-hmm. versus actual sexual experience for boys mm-hmm. yeah. in these stories and how differently those are treated. Well, and, is, and you know, pe- pe- people freaking out about this, but yet you know, there's this entire culture of you know, beauty pageants, you know, baby beauty pageants and, and six-year-old beauty pageants and toddlers that sort and of thing. Yeah, toddlers and tiaras, yeah, that, that whole thing that which you know, runs on t- on you know, network TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's really not a whole lot different than it's not different well, at all. Yeah, well it, it's <laughs> it's it's different in that cuties has a different message to it that you know yeah, cond- but I, cond- condemns this sort of thing. But yeah. I would argue yeah, I would argue that toddlers and tiaras toddler, and in fact there was a there's been a couple of think pieces that I have seen criticisms where people have argued that it it is a racist 
thing that people are freaking out because it is young black girls being sexualized and eroticized and they're noticing it in a way in which they celebrated it with toddlers and tiaras, honey boo boo mm-hmm. and all these okay. and all these other things. Um, the other thing that we have to think about though in terms of toddlers and tiaras mm-hmm. is class. Oh yeah. Because there is and Peggy Ornstein writes about this really beautifully in Cinderella Ate My Daughter. So if you want the, the, the scholarly sort of or the, the, the pop scholarly take on it. Yeah, that's a great. That's a really good title. place to go. But um, it is a great title. It's a great book. There's a lot of great stuff. Ornstein is she's good. I don't have as much of a fangirl crush on her as I do an Arlie Russell host shield. But that's a different story. Anyway, <laughs> Toddlers and Tiaras is a, is a show about class aspiration. It's a show about the distance Mm-hmm. between the upper classes and what the lower classes, the rubes, think they have to do and teach their daughters to in order for those daughters to be part of the upper classes. Mm-hmm. Right? And part of what is happening in Toddlers and Tiaras for audience members is the audience gets to go, oh, those poor stupid hicks mm-hmm. don't understand mm-hmm. that they can never buy the real femininity for their children for their daughters by enrolling mm-hmm. them in this mm-hmm. like that I, I don't think we can underestimate the class derision for that, that show for but, that show but then i would argue that the you know i don't think it's any different than like your you know your 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 girls dancing on america's got talent or france has talent um is not um I do think it's different because something like America's Got Talent or France has Got Talent is has this whole brand of nationalism on it mm-hmm. that's like that pseudo elevates it. It's like the mm-hmm. difference between lowbrow and middlebrow. Right. Whereas and, and but that's again totally different mm-hmm. from this critical gaze. Sure. That the film the itself yeah. in Cuties takes on the whole problem. Whereas Toddlers and Tiaras isn't taking a critical gaze on the problem of of sexualizing children the way it is on like let us mock mm-hmm. poor people without letting them recognize that we're mocking. Yeah, them. Well, and it, it, it's exploitive on a number of levels. It, yeah. it's, it's, oh, it's, it's exploiting so the girls. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to point out though. So, but like even the actual beauty pageant culture in and of itself. Um, and again, I have no problem with the with the adult or even the teen beauty pageant culture. But um, I was mentioning before we started recording, for instance, um, it's not just it's not just poor people that are actually in this actual culture. I met John Benet Ramsey a year before she died. They were rich. Those were rich people. <laughs> that, yeah. that, like they, they didn't, she, you know, this was not a let's ride our daughter's cuteness out of poverty um, and get out of the trailer park situation. These were people who, you know, thought their daughter was hot and they put her into this situation because they wanted that experience that and again they wouldn't have thought of it as sexualized mm. they would have thought it I, as pimp. yeah i have to ask for the anecdote of how you met john benet ramsey um, I'm, I'm assuming you weren't a contestant no um i could have been i'm a good looking man you, wayne you could have been a contender <laughs> yeah um i was um i was in las vegas just on vacation 
by myself and I, I, I was hanging out at a uh, roulette table. I like the game roulette. Um, and, uh, and I was on a streak. Don't gamble, kids. It's bad for you. But I was on a streak. I was having a good night. <laughs> and um, and I was having such a good night that um, there was this couple, um, this black couple. They were there and they were just like, well, he's having a good night. Just bet on whatever numbers he does. And we played for, you know, we played, had some drinks, laughed, laughed and talked for about half an hour, 40 minutes. And then I was done. So I walked away and, you know, I went and did something else. And then the next morning I came down and I happened to run into them at breakfast with their kid. And they're like, oh, well, you know, you won us $2,000 last night. Please let us buy your breakfast. And I'm like, I guess, sure. Now, a Vegas breakfast buffet is like three bucks. So it's not in the 90s. Yeah, it's not, not that great a thing. But it's like, sure, you can pay for my three dollar all you can eat pancake breakfast. Absolutely. So they did. And then we were talking and another couple that they were friends with came by with their daughter um, who and they're like, oh, let, you know, this is our this is Mav who want and, and the, these are the Ramses and their daughter, Jean Benet. And I'm like, OK, and I met them. They're n- nice people. They were fine. I talked to them for two minutes tops. And it was just because then because they, they're all friends and they and they went off and did whatever stuff there. There was apparently a pageant there that weekend. Yeah. So uh, so I met them and I was just like, oh, nice to meet you all wonderful people and you know they you know they were in she was she was dressed in like some weird glittery cowgirl outfit kind of thing you know and they were going off to go do pageant stuff and then i went to go you know play poker or whatever i was playing um and i went on about my life and then literally a year later i was on vacation by myself then um and a year later um the next christmas i was on vacation with friends and Uh I was in um, I was in New York um, for um, uh, or I was, in, I was in New York for for Christmas with friends. Um, actually, I was probably in Connecticut because New York was expensive. So we were staying in Connecticut. But we were going to the city every day. And um, and I get up and I come downstairs and people are watching TV and um, they're just and they're just, the news is on. And I was like, oh, oh, that that that's the Ramsey girl. I, why is she on TV? And um, I think Max was there. Max, who does our theme song, was there. And it's like, you know, and I'm like, yeah, that's the Ramsey girl. She's like a little beauty pageant girl. I met her like last year. Oh, um, oh, she's dead. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, because wow. I completely put her out of my mind yeah. up until that point because it was a completely meaningless person that you just run into. But and something I, I, you would have forgotten entirely by now, if not I for vaguely, yeah, I vaguely remembered her name, or maybe I even noticed that it was spelled below it. But I, but like just like almost exactly a year to when she died. That's that's when I oh, met wow. John Benet. But yeah, so just a weird, completely inconsequential person that like literally I would not have. I'd forgotten about her entirely until I saw her on television and recognized her as just this, you know, this five-year-old that I'd met the year before, (laughs) you know, how notable um, is this five-year-old that that means nothing to me. And then all of a sudden she's the biggest crime scandal in the world. And I'm like, Oh, and at that point, everybody still thought her parents had done it, which turned out not to be the truth. So, you know, that's kind of terrifying, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Um, but that's how I found out. So, I'm also from Colorado, so mm-hmm. that whole thing happened an hour from where I grew up. Just oh wow, it was, it, yeah, it was super weird. Mm-hmm. Also, Columbine. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I have no connection to Jean Benet Ramsey whatsoever. So, I... <laughs> so we've got this. We've got this world of she became of, the poster child for the world we're talking about, right? In, in so many ways. But I mean, and and probably more so because of something completely unrelated that happened to her. You know, her right. being murdered. 
But I mean, that entire world is sexualizing children by adultifying them. But and but I also think that there's the there's the counter world of and this is this, I think, plays into the message of cuties. I use the Britney Spears one more time video in in the blog. But there is an idea of and Kincaid gets into this in, in his book that we were talking about. We treat youth, particularly with young girls, but in general, we treat youth as a sexualized thing, even while we're pretending to resist it. Right. Like the signifiers, the, the problem that people had when Britney Spears first launched, when she made that first music video, um, she was 16 years old. I think she was 15 when she filmed it. She was 15, 16 years old, and she's running around in a Catholic schoolgirl skirt and knee high stockings and pigtails. And people are like, how dare they sexualize that 15 year old girl like that? People were scandalized by it, except that, no, she's a 15 year old girl. Of course, she's wearing a schoolgirl skirt and has pigtails and knee high socks. That's how 15 those clothes are for 15 year old girls. We decided they were sexual because we put them on strippers. Yeah. <laughs> but and they and obviously she was sexualizing well, herself because she was trying to be a pop star. Yeah. You know? Well, and you know, baby spice, you know, and that that imagery. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you, you just here's a group of you know, spice girls are all you know, cliche sexual archetypes and then mm-hmm. what one of them is the the baby doll thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then right. and that's no accident. You know, that's I think that I think it is a thing that we do that I think that there is a again, we should how much do we want to talk about Kincaid's book? We can go we'll go on forever, but there is a connection between sexualization and youth that we are uncomfortable with. A lot of it is born of the fact that like you sort of we, we have an association of sexuality with puberty because for not all, but for many of us, that's when your sexual awakening is. It's when the, you know, we talked about Danica McKellar, who, you know, my, my lifelong crush, like, honestly, one of the things that like makes me have a crush on Danica McKellar is that when her show was on the air and she became famous, she was a cute girl that I was the same age as I was literally her age when she became Mm -hmm. famous. So like that, so that that's why she has an impression on me. Right. And then I also said, as I pointed out on that, on that episode, you know, I, I, I like that she grew up to be really smart. That just is a thing for me. It's like, oh, wow, she does math. It's impressive. But like at the time, it was just totally 13 year old girl. I'm 13 year old boy. Totally. She would love me if she knew me, <laughs> which, which was, you know, that that's where that's where that came from. So I, I think that part of it is, you know, the things that we associate with the crazy hormonal rush of being 13 mm-hmm. And 12, we've made into sexualized images. And we talked before, we downplay that with boys in a way that we don't with girls. So we've ended up with all of these femininity sexual markers, the baby voice, the tiny clothes, pigtails. I I added a picture to to our our chat here, uh, if you want to link it. Uh, Loves Baby Soft. It was a series of uh, perfumes and and makeup and stuff in in the 70s. And, and, you know, the, the... I, I picked the the most famous of them that's been pointed out before, but just the series of ads, you know, the, the tagline is, oh, let me take a look. Be, 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 because innocence is sexier than you think. Yeah. And, and it's, and that was the whole advertising campaign. You know, like there were a number of these ads and, and the whole idea is marketing these, you know, these sexy perfumes to adults, but I'm going to use a, Five-year-old girl, yeah, twelve-year-old girl, ten-year-old girl in 
way too much makeup to to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 you know just and that was running in you know Life Magazine and Time and Newsweek and you know Women's Day or whatever mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, and they were mildly sca- mildly scandalous, but not really, not really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I, I mean, I think it's good that Cuties gives us the uh, something like Cuties has put us in a position to at least discuss this issue. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, which is its point, right? Like, that's what she's trying to do with the film. The entire point of the film is, look, she's not only being sexualized, but because of these booty shorts, you're looking at this wrong. Like, that's yeah. what the movie's about. Right. So and I, I think if you're going to have images of I mean, Carolyn, you, you, you talked about, you know, you grew up dancing. But even the very idea of the most the most highbrow bougie of of dancing, let's say ballet, right? Which ballet is, has which a is, which was me. Yeah, by the way, there's a like, there's a, all the way. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a, I mean the tutu, like the the leotard. Everything about that is a very specific vision of femininity. Yeah, toe shoes, for God's sake, right? Like literally <gasps> everything about that is a very specific version of femininity. We, that we is literally. We literally tried to recruit young men into our local ballet company by telling them that they would get to partner girls wearing not very much clothing. Yeah, yeah. And and, and you're and you're the, what? The, the point. Uh, I was fourteen at that point, but okay. sure. Um, you know, the point shoe is the point shoe evolved out of the romantic obsession with the fairy, the sylph, mm-hmm. which leads straight into an obsession with thinness, mm-hmm. right? The the point shoe was to make you look weightless, weightless to make it look like you mm-hmm. were floating across the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, the classical tutu, the platter tutu. Mm-hmm. So you have the romantic tutu was the long bell-shaped skirt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then that's what you see in like Giselle. And then when you get to the classical ballets like Swan Lake and Sleeping Beauty, you have those platter tutus, which is the sort of like classic, it looks like a plate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was designed to still keep women in a skirt while showing off their legs as the choreography became more uh, sort of acrobatic mm-hmm. and technical. So, uh, yeah, what you have there is a very specific version of femininity. Someday I will write the article about like watching ballet as a feminist, watching classical mm-hmm. ballet as a feminist and how as a feminist I can or cannot deal with the plots of like Giselle, <laughs> for example. But I, not this you're year. not supposed to you're not supposed to think about that when you when you what like you're supposed to look at ballet and you're supposed to say oh how elegant and how sophisticated and you know like no you're do you're doing the same thing right like it's like like the the concept of what yes the moves might be a little different but the but angelica's entire point in cuties like she references that i was dancing you know she's you know, trained yes. you're doing the same thing um the same kind of thing with something like ballet that you are with something like hip hop dancing that the girls are trying to do in this film, right? It's all um, a performance. It's mm-hmm. not like we yeah. have such a thing as unmediated sexuality, people. Like, right. just like that doesn't happen. It doesn't exist in the world. I gotta say, though, I had this really great moment. I was teaching ballet appreciation to senior citizens, mm-hmm. and I had shown them a video. I think it was a video of Sylvie Guillem, who was one of the the stars of the Paris Opera Ballet in the eighties mm-hmm. and nineties, um, and one of 
this she was the best student she just looked at me she's like how much sex do the people in these companies have with each other (laughs) and it was just and so the woman was i mean and again people of all ages have sexuality actually thank you freud but um but so this woman was seven in her late 70s if she was a day Mm -hmm. and i i just loved that she just asked me this yeah right and I it, it, and actually, my answer was not as much as you would think, mm-hmm. because frankly, you just see each other as bodies. Mm-hmm. Like you're so busy with the technique and whatnot. I mean, I never dated ballet guys because their egos were too annoying to deal with. But <laughs> um, and, and certainly, there are couples yeah. that come out of ballet, the ballet world. Like it happens, absolutely. But like, it's not like everybody's banging everybody. <laughs> Oh, you like, just ruined the dream. I'm not gonna be a. Uh, I'm not gonna become yeah. a ballerina now in my 40s. <laughs> ballerina, ballerina. What's the male ballet ballet dancer called? Uh, uh dances. Okay, or dancer. Sorry, oh. dancer. Well, I'm not gonna. I guess I'm not gonna start doing that now in my. 40s. I was gonna start training tomorrow, but now you've just ruined the, the whole dream for me. <laughs> oh God. Can, so we resolved. Really. <laughs> yeah, I just think just like, like even saying that, I just thought, oh God, that just sounds so painful. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> my knees don't work. <laughs> I hurt myself getting out of bed sometimes. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, we've resolved nothing. Uh, isn't that how this this show goes? We've dissolved, yeah. resolved yeah. nothing. Yeah. Well, we, we've resolved that that Cuties is actually a very good movie. If, yeah. If, yes. I, I just I am I am really curious for our listeners who has seen it. You know, leave us a comment and let us know. Because I imagine there are a lot of people who are against it because of what it arguably stands for. But I am curious to see whether anybody actually enjoyed it. We had a couple of comments. Um, Brooklyn, who's been on our show, she commented and said, you know, she tried to watch it and, and she got it. You know, she's just like, yeah, I just I, I don't want to see it. And I can see that. I, I totally get yeah, how somebody yeah. would just like, it's not a film for everybody because it's a slow moving foreign film. It's a slow moving foreign film about an extremely uncomfortable topic. Yeah. And I understand that. But it is a really good slow moving foreign film about an extremely uncomfortable topic. So I, you know, if you have the patience to read subtitles or 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 listen to dubbed dialogue, which is weird, like if you have the patience for it and you can deal with, you know, it wants you to be uncomfortable when it wants you to question it. And I think what really the, other, the thing that we didn't talk about, um, the one of the ending scenes and you know, we've talked about the whole movie, watch it anyway. But when they actually have the dance off in front of people, I thought the there was such brilliant acting by the extras in this film. Yeah, because they they get on stage, they do this performance where there's, you know, 11 and 12 year old girls on stage humping the ground and like, you know, like pretending to be go- to go down on each other. And, and it's it's it is extremely uncomfortable. And you can see the uncomfort on 90 percent of the like the, uh, of the yeah, audience. Yeah, the like, audience, they're, they're not responding to it well either. And it's interesting right. because there were older dance troops out before them doing much the same thing. Yes. And the audience was cheering. And then there's and then there's just like you, you'll see a couple of people in the audience who are just like, oh, OK, they're good, too. But most of the audience is just like, oh, oh, this is not this yeah. is not what I'm here for. Yep. So, so. I'd say watch it. 
but you know, I get why people won't. Yeah. And if you do, yeah, please let us know in the comments what you thought of it. Let us know in the comments what you think of our arguments here. Uh, I'm going to, you know, we'll link in the show notes. We're going to, I'll link to things like Kincaid's book. I will link to, I'll also link to um, Michelle Foucault's books on the, uh, on the history of sexuality, which are, if you want to be a nerdy gender and and sexuality studies person um, on an academic level, like me, uh, Carolyn, (laughs) you know, like, like these are texts that like sort of go into a lot of the concepts that we talked about today. Uh, Freud's interpretation of dreams does as well. So we'll link a bunch of stuff in the show notes where a lot of these ideas are developed, but I would absolutely love to know what people think of this concept and, you know, and just the idea of watching something that is intentionally uncomfortable, because I, I think that I, I think that sometimes our films should challenge us in a way that in a way that Avengers movies, as much as I love them, don't. Right. Like I like I like I, I like that kind of uncomfort that makes us think and makes us have conversations, changes society, because now we are having a conversation about child sexuality that is not based around uh, QAnon rumors. And that's yeah. And that's and that's good. Yeah, I would. I I think there's a whole interesting. I mean, not to give you another topic. I'm sure you have enough, but can I have it? I, also, no, I haven't please watched book it yet. the show for us. Book this. This makes it so okay, much easier. So, <laughs> so here, here's the next show I want to do with you guys after I've had time to actually watch it. I want to do a show with you guys where we talk about things like the new Watchmen series and Lovecraft Country, mm-hmm. which are crossovers between making people really freaking uncomfortable mm-hmm. and superheroes. <laughs> we we did do a show on Watchmen itself um when when it was when it was out. Um yeah I, I think that I think there is a lot that you can do where you can yeah. I, you can have in fact we even even when we when we did the show on Endgame we talked about some of the issues that that actually brought up. And that's sort of what this show is is you know we we try frequently to look at things that have entered the pop culture zeitgeist and treat them like they're school books. That was the that was the concept when when Wayne and Katya and I were discussing, you know, how we wanted to do this at the very beginning. Um, right. But I think every once in a while, something like this comes up. Cuties, which is meant to be bougie, academic, you know, wankery for people like us. And it crossed over accidentally into the cultural zeitgeist because I think it was just a slow news day. And so people started complaining about it. Like in 2020, a slow news day in 2020. Yeah, because honestly, like, like how did I mean, I mean, Ted Cruz and Tulsi Gabbard. Right. Well, both condemned the film without having watched it. Well, see, and, and I don't understand it because like, honestly, like, yes, I understand why people might be uncomfortable with uncomfortable with 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 it. Right. Without having watched it. But if you think Cuties is the first uncomfortable film um, about teen and child sexuality on Netflix, then you do not have like Mav, my rec- my recommendations history. <laughs> Mav, we, we somehow we we neglected to bring up the movie Little Darlings in the middle of this conversation. Oh my god! Oh, how did we how did we let that slide? That's one we have to. Oh geez. Well, we talked about Little Darlings on on yeah. We just I I will also recommend people go back and watch our coming of age movies episode. Little Darlings is not to make the show go another forty minutes because we've already said we've resolved nothing. But Little Darlings is a film that that absolutely addresses with this they're a little older they're like 14 yeah well the the youngest i think is supposed to be 13 cynthia nixon's character i think is supposed to be 12 or 13 
And then the other girls are 14 through 15. And it is a movie about losing your virginity when you're 14. And it is a movie that acknowledged that teen girls and preteen girls were horny the way that teen boys were supposed to be horny in the 70s and 80s. And it's from 1980. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, uh, Christy McNichol and um, Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill, so good. Um, almost impossible to find because yeah. I, I haven't seen it in years. But I've got a copy. You can borrow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would like to watch it again. Yeah, it, yeah. It is so good. Um, and it, but it, but it is a, it is a weird acknowledgement of yes, it's not just a world where. You know, again, this is again what we've been talking about. We we gender girls in good, you know, the good people gender girls too. And it is a it is a movie about thirteen year old girls rebelling at the notion that no 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 sex is a thing that boys want, <laughs> and you're supposed to be good and pure because you're a girl. And yeah, that is a that is just as controlling as no 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 you have to be a hoochie mama because you're a girl. So that is yeah, and, and that's one of the things. Oh, how did we not talk about that film? Another episode. <laughs> Anyway, not going to anyway, talk for another hour. <laughs> we, we, we have now not resolved something else entirely. Yes. Carolyn, thanks for joining us. This was great. It was you, such Carolyn. a pleasure. Such Thank a pleasure. You. Anything that um, you want to promote? Uh, support your local adjuncts because they'd like to have jobs next year. Oh, God, yes. Yes, uh, they slash we, we, slash would. we, yes, I, I'm, I'm going to throw myself in that mix because I'd really love to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, vote. I yeah. want to promote yes. voting. Oh, yes. God. I promote voting. Yes. I voted. Uh, well, again, in the future past, as you're listening to this, I voted two days ago because um, mail and ballot. And I will also be working. So I did a, I voted by mail and yet I'm also going to be there working the polls. So yes, vote, do what you can, you... save the world. <laughs> I would like there yeah. to still be a world vote. next year. We have a um, podcast to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to get out the vote, I guess the other thing I, I will uh, pump is the organization Postcards to Voters. Absolutely. That'll link that in the show notes. Uh, which is which is the activism that I have the time and bandwidth to engage with in pandemic society. Um, but it, it is shown to be remarkably effective to write handwritten postcards to people to get them to go out and vote. So do that. All right. Wayne, what about you? I got nothing new this week. Okay. Yeah, it's the same old. <laughs> uh, Wayne's typical stuff that he hates plugging is linked in the show notes as yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> same links as always. Yeah. As is mine. Uh, you can read my blog at www.chrismaverick.com, though I never post there anymore. I do often argue at the president, um, which you can read on Twitter or Facebook. Um, I'm at Chris Maverick everywhere that you find social media. You can follow the show at Vox Popcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of the places. You can also follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where we post show notes like for this episode and you can comment and tell us what you think. Tell us what you thought of cuties. Tell us that we're crazy. Tell us, you. you just talked, you just said that my 12 year old daughter has sexy thoughts and now you're canceled. Um, please don't tell us that. But before you cancel us, 
please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. <laughs> Very important because then you will make us more popular so that other people can go and cancel us too. You don't want to leave us a one-star review. You want to leave us a five-star review and say, these guys are awful. Um, no, don't say they're awful. Cause I was going to say that I was going to make a whole big joke, but then I realized how sad and sensitive I am. And if, I, if we had a five-star review where people were like, these guys suck, I'm giving them five stars. I would literally ignore the five stars and I would be the guy going, why do they hate me? I'm a very sad little man. <laughs> I just, I just, like, I couldn't even finish the joke because I realized, like, like, like you, you started feeling would, broken inside. Oh God, it would devastate me. So please, if you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from, and leave us a five star review, um, especially on iTunes. If you leave us a five star review. That helps other people find the show. It gooses the algorithm, moves us to the top, lets us bring other fine topics like this so that we can have Carolyn come back and do the show that she just pitched for it. Oh, God. Producing is so much easier when the guests just make up the topics, isn't it, right? Oh, that's great. That's it's always great. good. <laughs> um, so. I have like six on science fiction to pitch you, so. Oh, God. Yeah, love yeah you. let us know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, please also subscribe to our YouTube channel. The YouTube, oh, this this episode's going to be great on YouTube. The YouTube channel, especially <laughs> when we have when we have um, shows that talk a lot about media that you need to see. We often link images. It's still the audio podcast, but you can watch an enhanced version on our YouTube site. We're still trying to get enough YouTube subscribers to. Um, get a custom link and get um, unlock extra YouTube features. YouTube makes a game out of their features, which is weird. And you have to like earn stuff. So we need subscribers there. Go to us and subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us comments there. And I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank Carolyn for joining us. I'd like to thank you at home for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Like when I'm on stage, like I'm a different person. Like I totally explode and I have attitude. And but when I come off the stage, I'm just so like this entertainment business has not affected me really at all. I'm still the same Britney. <laughs>